You're listening to episode 99 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, we've been missing our friend Kale for some time, and I've taken it upon myself to find a new surrogate pal to replace <laughs> Kale. And the pal, I, I, think, I think the pal that best fits the description of being surrogate Kale is newly available free agent Henry Cavill. Oh. In what way? I think that we can get him on the podcast to be a regular. And all he's do is be an actor and act like Kale. So grumpy? So you're saying that we're going to get Henry Cavill and ask him to play the role of Kale? That's right. To, okay. to be all actively right. grumpy. Yeah, just he's he's an actor. He can do the part. I'm, can, you, I have the, <laughs> can you imagine Henry Cavill just like with his Kale spiky hair and glasses <laughs> and just he's just grouchy, his arms are crossed. Cup, cup of coffee. We, we have to pause episodes because he's like, how am I doing, lads? And it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you have to lose yourself in the moment, Henry. <laughs> he's like, uh, you can follow me at Dorindo. Uh, no, 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 Henry, Henry, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> I've failed you, Master Sean. <laughs> no, 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 Henry, that's, that's not your That's not you, and that's certainly not Kale. Oh, man, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that gave me Revenge of the Sith vibes. <laughs> Remember at the end when Obi-Wan's like, I have failed you, Anakin. <laughs> we just lose <laughs> feet. <laughs> oh, this shit out. <laughs> Henry Kale, you killed younglings. <laughs> I could see Kale killing younglings. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, damn. Listen, you if will... any of us fit the profile, you little yeah. turds. Definitely. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know, guys. I think Henry Cavill is our new Kale. All right, let's get on Let's get on the horn. Let's talk to his people. <laughs> let's get on the horn and uh, talk with his people. Just got to make sure he doesn't do Michael, Michael Caine impressions. So Actually, he can. That means we're going to have to have him digitally... We're going to have to digitally populate his face <laughs> with Kale's beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can dye his hair, but his beard we're going to have to get in post. Now, here's my question, guys. What if he does a better job at being Kale than Kale? We keep him. Yeah, we keep him, yeah. We, yeah, we, pull, we, we just do what the Beatles did and, you know, like, oh, just damn. replace him. It'd be doing Kale a favor anyway. He's been holding on to this plane for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> Kale can just go live out his life in Europe making pasta or whatever he's doing out there and, you know, it'll be great. So, uh... Henry Cavill will not be joining us, sadly. Uh, we are way too low class for him. Damn. Uh, but we will be talking about him quite a bit on this episode. So we'll get to that a little bit later. For now, I've got to talk to you guys about where you can find the show all over the internet. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud and all that other good stuff. At the Comics Pals, check us out. Uh, we are also at the Comics Pals on social media, wherever you buy it. 
So check that out as well. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you're on there right now, you can like this video, share with your friends, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do. It helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Now, big, big show this week. Well. Henry Cavill. We got to talk about him. That's going to be fun. Uh, we're also going to be trying to find out who the new Batman will be. Whether or not it will be uh, Ben Affleck or maybe someone else. Kale. So, is that not where, Kale, man. Is that why Kale left? <laughs> not Kale. Who, who would Kale play? Let's do that. Let's open the show with that. Who... What character would Kale play Booster in a Gold. Marvel or DC film? Booster, Booster Gold, one hundred percent. That's what he wants. I don't. I don't think that's accurate. Boo. Um, Why? I mean, he's a shyster. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Kale's just grumpy. You know, <laughs> he's too grumpy to be Booster. Find Booster Gold to be grumpy. You know who? You know who Kale could actually, I think, play really well. He could be a, a great voice of Howard the Duck. Um. He's grouchy. Like he he seems like he should have an alcohol problem. <laughs> oh wow. Dang. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude, I'm just like, how many grouchy old writers do you know that don't hit the bottle? <laughs> I, this is gonna be this is gonna be weird, but I'm gonna throw an honest answer out there. What do you have for us? I think I think he could be Wolverine. <laughs> he's got that he's got that like I'm annoyed by everything but secretly I care yeah, kind of thing going on you're totally right he's the oldest guy in the room always <laughs> like he you know I, I could see it He's he would fiercely defend his friends yeah he's kind of hairy yeah yeah <laughs> he's a little he's got the hair thing going on that's yeah. true he's he's just a little too tall that's really it that's all he's got going against him is he he's not that tall he's not that tall that you know, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, Sean. Yeah. Kale's Wolverine. Kale's Wolverine. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Holders. <laughs> I've been looking for a pal to portray me in the comics, eh? Oh, Canadian Wolverine. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> oh, it's so cold up here in, in Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine, don't you have, like, a nice thick flannel? You're a lumberjack. Oh, yeah, it's the only way you keep warm and keep splinters off you from cutting down trees up here, eh? <laughs> what, is your, what is your coat lined with? It's lined up with a lot of pine from pine trees. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that there's a podcast based on you, but they didn't call you in to do the, to do the voiceover? <laughs> I don't think they think much of me as an actor, eh? And I think they think that Americans are very confused by Canadian accents. They think I'm some uh, kind of regular hoser. All right, Wolverine. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, Canadian Wolverine. All right. Have a, have a nice cold one for me on the way out. <laughs> Will do. Thanks, Wolverine. <laughs> Molson! <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Let's do some pals pulls. Uh, Phil, why don't you get us started with uh, Mr. Miracle number 11? Yeah, this is this is coming to an end, guys. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> you just, uh, just got right to it. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no Canadian Wolverine in this one. Canadian Wolverine doesn't read comics. He's too busy like out saving Canada. That's what you're. Also, you're, you're onto something there, Hoser. I'm actually illiterate. I can't read anything. <laughs> Except beer can labels. (laughs) (laughs) That's because I recognize the characters. (laughs) Why do we have to call him Canadian Wolverine? Wolverine's just Canadian already. But but there's they're different though, Sean. This is Canadian Wolverine. He lived in Canada his whole life. He never came. He never went to Japan. He never went to the states. Like. You know, Logan is a citizen of the world. You're on to something there, guys. Listen, Japan has no hockey rinks like Saskatchewan does. <laughs> I can play a little stick of pucks up there all I want. None of that in Nagasaki. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Canadian Wolverine would probably be like one of the failed Wolverine clones, but <laughs> instead of becoming like an evil like monster, he was just like left in a Tim Hortons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Project, Project hey, you gotta, Canuck. You gotta finish that <laughs> Weapon C. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, no, All right. No, All right. Listen, we gotta... Hulsters, the trick is to wait outside by the dumpster the Tim Hortons. <laughs> at the end of the day, you eat all the thrown out donuts, and then your, your healing factor burns off all the calories. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Phil, talk to me about your palace pool, please. <laughs> yeah, so this is the end. <laughs> You're right, it is. <laughs> this, oh. is, this is the penultimate issue of Mr. Miracle, and uh, it's just been a little bit like a perpetual motion machine, you know? It's been snowballing, getting crazier and crazier, and... <laughs> I think there's a little bit of Canadian Wolverine in my voice still. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Um, Yeah. uh, Mitch has been promoting this hard on Twitter. I'm really excited to get my hands on it. Uh, You can expect this in a book club uh, down the road shortly. um, Yeah. uh, As soon as this wraps up. Uh, I know Kale hasn't touched it because he's a trade waiter. And uh, I don't think Pete's read it. And, And I know Marco's keeping up. Yeah. I read like the first issue and then just like I like own most of it, but I just I don't know, didn't read it. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to wait and do the whole thing at once. Yeah. And so that's something you can look forward to, because uh, I know I- I'm personally very high on this. I think it's been a it's been a exhilarating ride, to say the least. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not reading this uh, and if, if the only reason you're not reading this is because you're waiting for us to do the book club, I understand. Good reason. But if you're not waiting for that, what are you waiting for? Get on it. Yeah, it's been – it's really been special. Uh, we'll we'll probably debate whether or not it's vision good down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's, it's absolutely been a special series. That's a main topic. Indeed. Uh, so for Marco, we've got Coda, Volume 1. Yeah, so uh, Coda's been this sort of high fantasy post-apocalyptic book that's been getting a lot of press. Um, Simon Spurrier's on it. Uh, I'm a fan of his. And uh, Matthias Bergara's doing the art. Uh, the book looks really cool and kind of like crazy. Uh, so I've, I was very much looking forward to it. I've been hearing good things from, I think, 
wasn't didn't Kathleen mention it? I think uh, when when she yes. was on, right? Yeah. Yes. And maybe even one of the Ryans, I don't remember, or somebody had mentioned it. But at any rate, it's been one of those books that's I've been on my list for a while, so I'm looking forward to picking it up. Awesome. And then you also chose Black Badge number two. Yeah. So this is uh, Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins again. And I love their stuff. Black Badge number one was a good ride. And so I'm looking, I, I just want more from them. And this is, you know, a way to get that. Black Badge number one. Uh, yeah, I bought that, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Was it, was it worth yeah, yeah. checking out? Yeah, yeah. It's Defin- got Mark Defin- Defin- number two. Yeah. I mean, I, I like them. I would have been back, like, even if it was like a slower issue to, to start off, I, I'd still be probably on it until, you know, it kind of burns out of anything, but it's it's good. Awesome. Uh, so for me, I chose Batman Damned, number one. This is actually the kickoff of DC's Black Label. Oh, Ooh. shit. Oh, yeah. man, really? Yeah. Hell, so, <laughs> hell yeah. This is this is pretty cool. Who's the creative um, team? It's Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermeo. That is like <laughs> nice. insane. Yeah, that's a good team. Yeah, uh, it's going to be three issues, so really, really tight for those of you who really like your stories condensed. Um, I, I mean, honestly, again, an, an insanely good creative team, and uh, really, is not much more to say. Just. Uh, it's gonna be good. Do we do we know what it's about? Uh, Joker is dead, and they're trying to find out who who killed him. Something along those lines. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I think Batman is. They they think it's Batman that did it, but it's not. Something along those lines. So was, what if it is? I, I'm. It is. I'm thinking it was Canadian Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, realization. When I do that voice, I think I lose, like, brain cells <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just yelling and my brain can't keep up. Well, I think I you didn't super. start with many anyway, so it's... Uh, huh? <laughs> you better conserve those, my man. Now, uh, we've got a book to review, actually. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Fearscape number one, uh, Ryan O'Sullivan is the writer on this one uh we've had him on the show before for void void trip and uh that was really good so we're reviewing his book here um the arts by andrea muti uh yeah and uh vladimir popov is also i I believe on colors i want to say yep on colors uh the letter is darren bennett and the publisher is vault comics i i don't know if i've read anything by vault yeah, I've heard the name, but I yeah. I could not tell you like one thing they've done before this. Yeah, they're super. They're they're like really small uh, pub, but I don't know. I think do they do any of the uh, the ROM stuff? I'm gonna look it up right now because I because sure. I don't, I don't think they're a newer publisher by any means. But in any event, let's let's talk about this book. So the the praise for this book has actually been uh, pretty uh, wide-ranging uh, for creators who've gotten the chance to read it ahead of time. Warren Ellis, uh, Kieran Gillen, Charles Soule, they all really loved it. What did we think about this book? Real quick, I did just want to point out, Vault Comics since 2016. So oh, they are newer. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this book quite a bit. Uh, I thought this was a really fun first issue. I think... Um, 
there I, I liked the way that uh that Sullivan kind of played with the like you know having the unreliable narrator you know and and the kind of back and forth with him and the reader um was I thought a really it's unique you know it's not something that like I've never read a book that specifically played with the 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 medium in that way and uh I thought it was really like <clears throat> it, I when he first did it as like the opening of the book, I was like a little bit, this is kind of a weird way to start the story. But the more we got into it and the more I saw how he played with it was interacting with how I was interpreting the story. Uh, it really sold me on that as a technique. I, I really loved that first page. I knew I was going to be into this from that very first page because it calls into question just right off the bat. Something that often gets sort of uh, bandied about in the comic space, which is that the uh, the nine panel grid is mm-hmm. is this sacred, you know, yeah. geometry within within comics, and he kind of shits on that, right? And uh, granted, it's from the perspective of the main character Henry Henry, but I think you can you can intuit that this is what Ryan thinks, and he's. And, and and I think that what he says is is just, it makes you think, right? Like, is this really this thing that is is the best thing since sliced bread in comics, or is it just something that was done once that was really good for that one book, and now everybody apes just for the sake of it? Um, and there's a lot of that in this book. Uh, there's a lot of sort of meta commentary on comics in this book in, in really interesting ways. <clears throat> Most of it is aimed at shitting on the the writer of the um, well. So this book to 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 explain what Fearscape is about. Yeah, I guess uh, it's about yeah. this character called uh, Henry Henry, who is a he's he's a writer, um, but uh, quote unquote, spends, <laughs> yeah, he spends most of his time uh, transcribing books from other languages and um, wants to get his career started. But can't. No one's interested in what he what he has to say. So he tries to steal the work of a writer who he respects and who he has a close relationship with, and uh, that leads him to <clears throat> that leads him into an entirely different world of craziness. I don't want to spoil it too much because I'm sure there are people who will want to read this when it does come out. It's not out quite yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so that character of Henry, we get to see a lot of Ryan kind of shitting on comic book tropes and, um, probably some of it aimed at his own work, uh, aimed at industry standards and things like that. And I think a lot of, a lot is made of deconstruction in comics. This is a book that actually does it. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good uh, way to put it because it, it very much does that and like in the writing and more so even in in like the art uh and like the the presentation the way that sort of the uh like obviously it starts out with you know the nine panel grid is like oh we are, we're gonna not necessarily lambast it but it's put into this sort of perspective uh and then everything outside of that is does not follow that it sort of has some odd conventions there's like a full uh, a full page spread where you know uh words are sort of blocked out by internal monologue and then like faces are omitted there's parts where entire panels are omitted it's just it's an interesting way to sort of literally deconstruct the book um 
and you had also mentioned like a sort of geometry uh, to what gets done. There's very much uh, all of these panels are pretty much squared until you, you start to sort of get into uh, that weirder world. Um, and in which case they even still like sort of retain their their form. But a lot of it is just playing with uh, just the medium. And yeah, Pete, to your earlier point, like I haven't seen uh, it done in this active of a way especially for like an opening issue right like i think the the point you made about um about like the lettering and stuff how a a lot of times he will step in the way of the story as the narrator Mm -hmm. like visually and like the first time we meet the muse like he blocks out her face right and goes on and on and on about how he couldn't describe her and he's getting in the way of it actually of us seeing it right right that's such a clever technique you know it's really unique and um and i i think like this book does a lot of little things like that that are that are just like you know I don't I don't feel like necessarily reinventing the wheel here or anything like that but like playing with conventions of the of the medium um, in ways that like are are really refreshing you know yeah so I kind of disagree with you guys obviously in comics a, a big hubbub is made up with a nine panel grid right and some writers have been criticized for using it uh, in artists like uh, the Tom King and Mr. Ads tandem have been criticized for using it. Um, and deconstruction in comics has been scrutinized too as being, you know, they say Watchmen kind of ruined deconstruction in comics because it, everything after that became a deconstruction as it were. My, I think my criticism with this is it's it's too literal for me. Uh, there's no, there's not a ton of subtext, you know. Like it's a writer being meta about his own industry in like in a kind of literal way, and to me that's not super interesting. That's that's like it's a lot of like in in workshop talk kind of commentary. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, if that. I, I I I don't think there's a lot of substance there, you know. Uh, and I acknowledge Ryan's ability as a writer, and I I think what he did was challenging in in trying to write like a pretentious writer would, in like a in a. Like, an almost, like it's, it's, it's like almost meta to an extreme in the sense that he's doing this Henry Henry's uh, narrative structure with with this very pretentious style of prose that doesn't really work because that writer doesn't have the ability to write a Neil Gaiman style prose, but also... I don't know if Ryan does either, but like that's an easy out when you're writing a character who can't do it either, kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I thought it was fine. I, I just uh, it, it I didn't really have a ton of. It, it just I thought it was what it was. You know, it's just a literal meta commentary on deconstruction comics. I don't think there's anything too creative about that. I think the the difference there would. Um be like a lot of times the deconstructions would be deconstructions of genre more so than medium. And I think that's the difference that this sort of attempts to push. 
In what regard? Like you mentioned, like uh, like Watchmen, and then sort of everything after that was kind of like a deconstruction of uh, of comics. But a, a lot of times, Watchmen is a deconstruction of sure the the medium to an extent, but a lot more of like of superheroes and those tropes specifically, um, and some of the the books that sort of follow those try to do the same thing with characters, whereas this aims more at the, the medium, the storytelling the, mechanism. Yeah. Even that, I don't know. I don't know how much mileage. I don't know how. Well, we'll, I, we'll find out, obviously. But I don't sure. know what there is to say that's interesting there, other than you're acknowledging limitations. I mean, to me, like it's very reminiscent of like what I find interesting about like jazz. You know, it's like it's like it's like an exercise, and the fact that like mm. it's doing things that are different and that are. Um, flying in the face of convention, um, even even if that's just even if it's just for the sake of doing that, right? Um, while also telling another story, uh, it's working for me. You know, like I, I I like it because it you know as somebody who's read a ton of fucking comics over the years, like there are certain conventions you sure. know that are present, and like I, I like the nine panel grid. I've sung its praises, but like having someone acknowledge that reverence and then like kind of play with that like it's it's fun you know like it's very um i don't know like i think i think your point about watchmen like you know kind of like ruining deconstruction for comics like i think that's true to marco's point for superheroes but in this case i don't think it's trying to do that you know it's talking more about like the craft uh in a way that watchmen wasn't as concerned with I acknowledge that, and that wasn't necessarily my point. It's more of like a greater commentary on what Watchmen did, not so much my sure. actual opinion of it, right? Um, and, and it's not that I just like this. I'm just I'm curious where he takes it. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the first issue spends a lot of time introducing the idea and the concept of you know this sort of deconstruction, which we don't really know how long that's going to last, right? Like, we, ha- we have no idea if that's going to be a recurring theme, if that's just how Ryan felt like introducing this character in this book. But one thing we do know is that the, uh, the fearscape itself is going to play heavily into what goes right. on uh, in future issues. And, and we've just me, scratched the surface of that. Yeah, that is what's really interesting. Um it, it, it without you know sp- being too spoiler heavy on what is I think probably the most interesting part of the book. Um, it's it's an idea that I think has a lot of mileage, and the fact that Henry Henry is a fraud is gonna make is gonna make the f- being in the fearscape that much more interesting. So I'm I'm hooked. I'm all in. I can't wait to see where this thing goes. And I hope that the sort of irreverence and the kind of po- kind of poking fun and, and taking jabs at comic book readers and critics and creators alike continues because I think that's fun. You know, that's part of the fun. And I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, some playful jabs in that regard. Um, is it is it, you know, is it refreshing for me? Yes. Is it brand new? No, not necessarily. But I don't think that that's the point. What, you know? what it kind of reminded me of when I was while I was reading it was Animal Man. 
in what Animal Man basically. Uh, oh. Because that's what Animal Man's whole deal was, was kind of yeah. subverting the actual storytelling mechanisms of comic books. But there was a lot more nuance there. And that's an unfair comparison, obviously. But I, I like allegory. I like I like a little more nuance. It's 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 a little too literal for me. I, I don't like meta being too literal. Because... You want to see more of it than be told about it. Yeah. The, 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 I get that. Exactly. It's a visual medium. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It's like this is issue one, and you're comparing it to something that's I done. Know. and is, You know what I mean? Like That's why that's I like, said... I yeah. want to see more. I um, see it's, you have to like see the complete story. Like, yes. you know, this is, even if it's a six issue or a five issue. Yeah, he wants to see more. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I want to see more. I want to see more. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I can see what you're saying, but um, I, I think, I think there's a lot of really cool ideas here. And I, I think what really sold it for me was I found a lot of the writing to be very clever. You know, like the way that he played with, I think, poking fun at Henry Henry. Uh, like when there was that, um, you know, there was that part point where he gets lost talking about the trees and he cuts over to like what's going on with the writer's daughter. And he makes a comment like where he calls her a liar and he's like, why do liars always have to project their dishonesty onto other people? And I was like, that was clever. Like that was a great yeah. moment, you know? Yeah. There were, and I think there were several instances like that where you know ryan just just pulls that off and it's it's fun to watch and uh there's a there's a comment uh that uh i think it was who was it was it kieran gillen yeah uh so we got a review copy and uh we were able to we're able to see what other writers and creators had to say about the book and uh kieran gillen says the only way to make it work uh, he says, writer protagonists are the most dangerous of tropes. The only way to make it work is to skewer them. Fearscape skewers them in such a dedicated way. It's a little like a torture chamber with a laugh track. I applaud and laugh and wince and cheer. And I think that that perfectly exemplifies what I'm saying. Uh, I really love that part of this book. And I haven't seen this done quite this way in comics. I can't recall a time where I've seen this done in comics. So I'm really interested in seeing what other uh, uh, things Ryan Sullivan is going to point out about comics and kind of take a shit on. Because there's a lot, I think, to point out. Even the last page. I love this, the last page of this book um, where he just shows you uh, six random panels that may or may not have anything to do with anything and 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 that's a new thing in comics that, that have, that's being done and it's like why do we do this you know I, and I love that he's pointing that out yeah and so, I, I, I think I don't know I I appreciate um, I appreciate art that is a little self-aware in that way like where you know like we all love comics Ryan loves comics or he wouldn't be fucking writing them right like uh, but, there, you know, we come on this show every week to, you know, both uh, lambast and celebrate this thing that we love. And I think that, like, you know, pointing out something's flaws and poking fun at it is, like, sometimes a useful exercise, you know? Um, and for what he's doing here, like, it... it and and I, I think to Sean's point, the story that it's... Like, that is kind of the appeal for me is, like, that overall... Um, 
deconstruction of the of the medium a little bit, but the story that they're telling is also really interesting to me. You know, I really do want to know more about the fearscape, and I wonder what other you know um, what other manifestations we might see there, right? Like, what what is the thing that Henry's going to have to fight, right? Like, what is what is the great fear of our age? I'm interested to know. Absolutely. So uh, hats off to Ryan O'Sullivan and uh, the entire creative team. Uh, the art's fantastic. The lettering is good. Yeah. There's a lot of clever stuff in this book. And uh, I really, really can't wait for the next Really time. big shout out to the lettering. Um, and that because that's something that usually it's like, you know, like good lettering is something you don't notice, you know, and it's, it's really only when it's really outside the box where it's worth talking about. And I feel like this issue, there's a few instances of of it interrupting art that are just really clever and really enhance what they're doing, you know, and that's that's worthy of praise. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it when you have the chance to check it out. The book drops the 26th, the 26th. Thank you. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Uh, it's 32 pages for only four bucks, which is quite a deal. And uh, there's only five issues, so worth your time. Fearscape, check it out. Ask for it at your local comic book store because they might not order it because it's a small-ass publisher. So let them know you want it. And we're going we're gonna to try to have the creative team on the show here soon. So be on the lookout for that as well. Now, uh, we're going to dive into the news. Uh, and we're going to start with the trailer or teaser trailer, I should say, for Daredevil Season 3. Let's go, Philly! Yeah, dude. Now, this this actually came out attached to the ending of Iron Fist Season 2. For all of you out there who watched that, which includes none of us... Uh, I'm behind on my Marvel Netflix game, brother. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we just didn't watch it. Um, but... Uh, what did you guys think of this teaser for what will inevitably be the superior show? Well, after watching that emotional roller coaster that was Iron Fist season two, you know, we went through all the ups and downs and the valleys and mountaintops. It was just a oh man, brother, it was a roller coaster. And then we just get strapped with that teaser. Wow. What you what you think about it though? Man, I'm excited for Daredevil, Daredevil season three. Me too, brother. Uh, that I thought that was a great teaser. Uh, it's super short, and that's fine. You know, I don't really want too much more. Like, I love Daredevil. I want season three. Like, let's just just go with it. Like, it set it set the tone right, and that's all I need. Yeah, I think what I'm what this did for me was just reignite my excitement for getting this season we didn't get a, a release date we know it's coming out in 2018 uh we know that it's pulling from born again yes hearing matt's dialogue here and and, and everything else it sounds like he's in a dark dark place that last line dude yeah, i'd rather die where, as the devil than live as matt murdoch <laughs> that's where daredevil is at his best so i'm very very excited to see where they go with this one. Hell yeah. If if they're pulling from Born Again, that was the one run where I was like, I, I picked it up, I started reading, I was like, mm, this isn't for me. You son of a bitch. 
it was a cool trailer. I mean, I I, I like Daredevil. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it regardless, and I I do enjoy it. Um, but if it's born again, we'll see, Phil. Don't you see, Marco? You don't understand nuance of a blind superhero. Is it because I lack vision? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I was was stick, not (laughs) that's that's how good that was. I mean, you can you know you can weave them in. You can you can bounce between the different voices that you do. The only way Uh, I watch this season is if I'm in it. (laughs) Well, you are. So well, Canadian Wolverine again. Oh wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> so Wilson Bethel is uh Wilson is an actor who's been <laughs> he's an actor who's been cast in this show. Uh they haven't confirmed exactly who he's gonna be playing. Colin Farrell. But <laughs> <laughs> he played Bullseye in the movie. <laughs> uh but it looks like he's gonna be playing Bullseye. Uh Arazi Fitness um uh, is a is a company and the personal trainer who works for them called Nakam Washington uh, was training with uh, Wilson and tagged bulls had did hashtag bullseye uh, in the in the Instagram uh, post so that of course leads people to believe he's playing bullseye I really hope so because I'm tired of waiting for bullseye to make his debut in the Daredevil show I think it's 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 time he's the fucking Joker. For Daredevil, folks. It's kind of, like, cool that he's still in the back pocket, though. Like, I agree with you that, like, I'm ready for it. But I like that they didn't, like, come out the gate with that. You know? Or even season two. Like, that fact that they showed that restraint, it's like, if they nail it in season three, like, that is going to feel like, I think, like, a worthy way to like, you know, up the ante and, like, keep the hype train going. And, like, that's tough to do in season three, you know? Like, as much as I liked Luke Cage season one and, you know, Phil and I were total apologists for Iron Fist season one, I haven't been super motivated to watch either of those shows. But, like, I'm definitely already motivated to watch Daredevil 3, and if that's the direction we're going, it's like, fucking forget about it. Well, you know Let's what? Let's go. Pete and I watched season two of Jessica Jones. He listened to a review on it, and uh, we were kind of low on it. Yeah, like, it wasn't terrible but i like i loved jessica jones season one and i felt like season two just kind of they felt tired it felt tired it it was really exhausting to watch because it was so like such a downer and like i feel like it didn't really have a much direction like you know like it it felt very like just kind of like a uh it lacked vision it did it did lack vision and i and i think that kind of has set the tenor for why I haven't watched Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel, I feel I, like I've literally sat on Netflix hovering on Luke Cage because I really liked season one a lot. But Jessica Jones season two really kind of, And not just that. We also, before watching that, had to watch Defenders, which also yeah. was a downer. I mean, please don't even say had to. Like going into that, we were excited. Yes. Like yeah. there was no reason to think it wasn't going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then it was just like, eh, like I was super, you know, like I was the biggest apologist for that out of all of us. And I was still lukewarm on it. And then, you know, Jessica Jones was kind of the same deal. So it's like, but, but Daredevil is the one where it's like, you know, that's like for me and Phil, I know that's like an all time. 
top, yeah, like top five favorite show, period. You know, like it's, you know, so season three is like, I'm in at the door no matter what. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think this is probably going to be that Punisher slot from last year. Punisher yeah. Daredevil yeah. season three, which is awesome. Uh, it'll give us something to watch towards the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And um, I can't wait. Can't wait for the first official trailer, the, the you know, the real deal. Yeah, I just want a um, date, man, because if it's around that time, like, oof, I can't wait to live in a world where we're coming, like, right off Daredevil Season 3, and then we start playing Smash Brothers. It's going to be a beautiful time <laughs> to be alive. Most ambitious crossover. Listen, all I want... <laughs> I just want to know when Foggy's going to don the horns, okay? <laughs> Soggy <Oof>. Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, remember during San Diego Comic Con when Marvel announced the Vision by Chelsea Kane, and we were all excited and thought it was a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, forget it because yeah. it's canceled. Womp 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 womp. So Marvel Comics canceled the Vision limited series that was coming from Chelsea Kane and her husband Mark Mann. And drawn by Odd Koch. Um, we don't know why. Marvel has not said why. Uh, Chelsea Kane has talked about it a little bit um, on Twitter. But but nothing... She hasn't said anything real about why it was canceled. Uh, she said, I'm incredibly proud of the four issues we've turned in so far. It's been two years of work and reflects tremendous effort by an incredibly talented team. Damn, that kills- sucks. It kills me that we won't get to share them. Forgive me, Viv. Uh, also, I don't have the tweet right in front of me, but someone tweeted out saying, uh, well, this is good because only Tom King should be allowed to write Vision and they should have left it there in the first place. Uh, and someone else said, uh, you know, maybe that's the reason why they canceled it because they realized that, you know, nothing could top the Tom King rendition. And she replied to that and said that, uh, that's not the case because she was actually asked to do the series at, right after Tom King's ended. They, they asked her that long ago to, to work on this project. So clearly uh, it's been something that she's been involved in for some time. And the answer as to why it was canceled is something that I'm not sure we're ever going to get. But I think we should. I think we should. We should know. That's so weird to me that like two like two years of work and they're just gonna be like eh right shelve it it's like you're two issues away like just i don't know it's it seems so strange we're trying not to get into politics here at marvel comics anymore (laughs) yeah i don't know man i wonder if 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 there was enough of like a fan uproar that they were like fuck it it's not worth it though we do have a nice japanese writer to work on this book (laughs) who's that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always forget his name. What is his, what is his name? Help Akira me. Yoshida. Yeah, okay. Get How could you not remember Mark uh, Marvel's top-tier talent? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. This is such a weird story, and like you said, we'll probably never get an answer, so it's it's so hard to... Like, I'm, I've literally been trying to, like, just speculate on what I think could lead to something like this, and it's confusing, really, uh, I have to say, because, like... 
like the I will say the two-year timeline makes me wonder like I wonder if maybe they were not turning things in on time or something like that like did they want this book to be out sooner or but even so like sinking two years into it already what's another couple months right like you know the only thing I can think of is like there must be some there must have been some internal change since this decision was made no more politics and, in Marvel Comics, baby. Bam, bam. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wonder. Maybe the story was like super political or something. Like, who knows? Like, it could be any of those things. And it's frustrating to not have any kind of answer. The Vision attempts an assassination on the president of the United States. Whoa, boy! <laughs> <laughs> if this were a like a lesser creative team on something that wasn't as high profile as this became because of the lineage and everything else. I wouldn't be surprised because cancellations happen. Yeah. But this is just really weird. It's really, really weird. The fact that Chelsea Kane is involved is weird. I don't get this. And I I hope that Marvel has an answer um, because I thought that they wanted to have Chelsea Kane on board with them. I thought that was important to them. Yeah. So I guess it's not. Um, but we'll see. In any event, if you were excited for this, sorry to say, you'll never see it. Yeah, it's a bummer. I was really like, you know, kind of cautiously optimistic there. Yeah, and, and actually last point to your point, uh, Pete, about maybe Marvel wasn't happy with the timeline. They've turned in four issues already. Right. So right. that's four so, issues already done that of six, mind you. So yeah. It's not even like you know, I, I don't know. Good good thing there was a bunch of people on the internet gatekeeping Tom King's vision so that a lady couldn't write it. Cause that's definitely what Tom King would want. Yeah. Well, uh we'll take the, the bad and and shelve that and serve you guys the good. Because Yum. Miles Morales Spider-Man has a creative team, and it is Saladin Ahmed Ooh. and Javier Garong. That wow. is a monster team. Uh, so Ahmed is a writer who has been on fire lately. Uh, he got a lot of praise for Black Bolt, which um, wrapped up but, but uh, was really, really well received. He's also on Exiles, which uh, people really enjoy. And he's done a few books that I've really enjoyed. Is he do Infidel? Uh, no, he's not on Infidel. He's uh, on, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the other book? I really, really love it, but I can't remember the name right now. Um, I'll look it up. But in any event, uh, this is a pretty high-profile turn for him. Uh, I think in the wake of Brian Bendis leaving the title, for Saladin Ahmed to be the first person to take over Miles Morales and be the like the person driving his narrative outside of Bendis. This is massive. Yeah, that sounds like it'll be better than Bendis's run. Uh maybe. I thought Bendis's run was great, but uh, it, it, this definitely sounds like a really big lateral move for him. You know, like because obviously, like no shade at the Inhumans or Black Bolt or anything like that, but they're not exactly you know A tier characters. And, like, for you to be the first person that's writing Miles Morales, like, after Bendis is, like, that's pretty – that's going to be a lot of attention on that book, you know? So, so like, no, no one else he, has written him? 
not no one else, but like not no one else has written like an ongoing starring him. Oh, uh, okay, that, okay. that's true, right, Sean? Like, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, like he's been written by other people in like team settings or like events or whatever, but you know. And the, the other book we were thinking of, Marco, was Abbott, which. Ah, uh, that one. Okay. Absolutely fucking incredible. But uh, yeah, I. I'm really, really excited to see what his turn with this character looks like because he's his voice is different. And I think when people talk about diversity on the creative end, they're talking about writers like Salad and Ahmed. Uh, and he did such a good job with Abbott. Um, and then they, and the, 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 the main character of Abbott is a black woman, and he nailed it. So if he can do that, I'm really confident in what he can do with a mixed race character like Miles. Yeah, getting a getting a better writer that might have the, like the actual you know uh, upbringing in context to write a character like that sounds like a win win. Yeah. Uh, so I'll read a little bit of what Ahmed had to say about this turn. Spider-Man is, in his essential origins, a teenage hero, and Miles will be that Spider-Man, facing threats against the neighborhood rather than the multiverse. Supervillains, yes, but also other threats speak to our times. He'll be doing that while also trying to deal with bullies, assistant principals, and canceled team dates. It's going to be hard. Part of what we love about Spider-Man is all the crap he goes through, and Miles will be dealing with some dark realities of our modern world. But I also want this book to have a bright thread running through it, because what we really love about Spider-Man is that he keeps us smiling no matter how grim things seem. Sounds like a good elevator pitch, my dude. Yeah. Uh, so that'll start December 12th, for those of you who are into it. I know I'll be there. I'm definitely down to give him a shot, man. I was going to say, Bendis' Miles stuff never really spoke to me, um, and I, I think I've documented why um, pretty extensively on this show, so I won't get into that too much. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in get like seeing another writer take a stab at the character and seeing if it clicks for me. Because I think with the time and space I've had away from you know like being upset that the Ultimate Spider-Man story I was following ended, like, you know, I don't have anything against Miles as a character, so, like, getting to see him in a new context with a new creative team and everything like that, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how I feel about that. Awesome. Uh, Phil, you were going to say something there? I was going to prod Pete. It's all good. Oh. <laughs> all right. And then I was this open-minded is... about it, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is actually a book I'd be interested to pick up. I've not read um, Ahmed stuff before. I've heard good things. And, I mean, I'll read it. Miles Morales is uh, one of those characters that's also supposed to be pretty good. So I'll take it. Yeah, Marco. I think I think you should give this a shot, man. I think you would like it. Cool. So uh, we've been we've been covering the Alterna Comics uh, social media policy controversy for the last few weeks here, and um, last week we talked about how Peter Semetti, um and Micah Myers were having a bit of a feud. Micah Myers being a letterer who was working for Alterna Comics, who alleged that he was fired by Peter Semetti over um, Myers employing a block tweet bot on Twitter that allegedly caught several fans of Alterna Comics and fans of Myers 
who weren't for, um, harassing him, which is against Alterna's social media policy. Now, uh, Peter Samedi directed his ire at CBR in particular because of articles that they had published. And so CBR has responded by publishing Peter Samedi's official response to everything that's gone on in an effort to uh, tell both sides of the story. So I thought it was fair if we did the same, and I'm going to read Peter Samedi's official response, and I want to hear from you guys if you believe what he's saying. Uh, so this is this is what he has said. Um, our social media policy strives to create a welcoming environment for both our readers and our creators. Social media is a powerful tool for promotion and outreach, and that's exactly how I encourage our creators to use it. Our policy allows... Creators to block or mute individually, but not indiscriminately. Should our creators experience harassment or threats of any kind while they are under contract with us, we'll do everything with our power within our power to help them. To my knowledge, in our entire history, no one under contract at Alterna has ever been harassed or threatened, and if they were, I certainly was never made aware of any such occurrences. When I received messages from twelve readers that Micah was blocking them without ever interacting with them, I approached project manager Dave Schwartz about the situation and briefed him on the fact that Micah may be using a block list to block potentially thousands of people he never interacted with. When Dave approached Micah about this, he found this was in fact the truth. In order to avoid any further unwanted drama on the situation, I offered a solution to not include Micah on Twitter promotions of the title and to not tag his Twitter handle. He would still remain on the book, of course, and would still have received cover credit and interior credit on the book. At that point, I was told by Dave that Micah understood that the book would most likely be affected by the potential drama of having him associated with it, as we would most likely come across more potential readers that had been blocked by him. By utilizing his this block list to avoid harassment for himself, Micah's block list opened up potential harassment for his creative team and myself, as we would be forced to answer questions about Micah's choice to block people who he never interact with, in, interacted with in the first place. Because of this, I was told that Micah stepped down as letterer, and David then hired another letterer to re-letter the entire series. I do not hire or fire freelancers at Alterna. I did not push for the firing of Micah, nor did I threaten the cancellation of the book, as claimed by Micah in his series of tweets. I have the necessary evidence that counters his claims, and I hope that in good faith, Micah does the right thing here. That's the whole statement. So, uh, something that stuck stuck out to me um, in this game of, you know, let's all play armchair quarterback and pick apart this guy's PR statement, uh, where he said no creators at Alternative have ever been harassed. And if they have, I, I didn't know about it. That can't be true, right? Like that—that's—that's that's not how the internet works. Like if you're a person who makes anything, you're probably getting harassed if people are paying attention to it at all. And for you to tell me that you—that it's not happening, I don't believe. And for you to tell me that you're unaware of it, that's not an excuse, right? Like that's you not being aware of, like how people are interacting with your creators on social media while you're claiming that that's important. So I don't, I don't buy that. And me not buying that statement makes me question or that part of the statement makes me feel like every other part of it is suspect. And I'm not saying that I don't believe anything that he's saying or that he's lying or whatever, but I'm saying that that to me seems misleading. And when you have any part of your public statement be misleading, it makes me question the narrative you're trying to spin here totally and maybe micah exaggerated 
some of his side of the story, but I doubt that there's no truth to what he's saying either. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say, I I I'm really on the fence about this whole thing because it, it's impossible for us to parse out who's lying. The essential question is: Was Micah fired or not? Right, like that's that's the that's the main question in my mind, and he's saying he was. Samedi is saying that he wasn't, and Samedi says he has proof. Right, so that's significant. To be honest, I'm inclined to believe him. Yeah, same. That's where I've I've landed on this, and if that's the case, and we're right, then this is a bad look. On the part of Micah Myers, yeah, to sort of use this whole controversy, which is a real controversy, as we've laid out about their social media policy, that I'm sure really does affect people, uh, to use this controversy to big up his own brand and his name when he actually wasn't fired or mistreated at all by Alterna Comics. Yeah, like if if what Samedi is saying here is true then at worst, he might have been slightly inconvenienced, right? Like he wasn't going to be allowed to be part of the social media promotion or whatever. It's like, okay, well, you violated this policy and whether that policy is fair or not, you signed a contract, you work for this company, like you agreed to this. So I think for them to be like, hey, we're not gonna, like you're, you still have a job, but you broke this rule or whatever. This is your, you know, this is the punishment as it were, like, that doesn't seem unreasonable. And he could have fired him. Right. Like, at the end of the day, right? And again, whether that's fair or not is up for debate. But he could have and chose not to. So uh, it's 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 tough to say, man. Like, I, I think there's, there's definitely something to what you're saying of it uh, that it seems like Micah maybe tried to turn this moment uh, in the spotlight into a bigger opportunity for himself, you know, to like build a base around himself that he like just doesn't have right now. Now, Phil, you were pretty critical of Alterna Comics and this policy and everything else last week on the show. With this update, how do you feel now? Man, when it just becomes, when it just becomes, well, they said this and I did this and actually this was done, it just becomes like, uh, it just becomes a, you know, he said, she said situation. And it just sounds muddy and messy. And when it, when it becomes something like this, I don't know who to believe. I don't know these people. Sure. So that's, that's kind of what happens when I hear something like this, my eyes kind of glaze because it's just like, well, no, I, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to say what the what the truth is, uh, because we you know we can't know unless Samedi comes forward with his proof. We're not gonna. That, know, yeah, that's right? and that's it. That's that's all it comes down to is unless there's like actual evidence here. I I mean I still am very um, I'm not a fan of Alterna's policy. But in the context of the story, I, I don't know what to believe. I think in the context of this story, if he comes forward with the the evidence, fine. If not, 
I think we still have some reason to be suspicious. Um, but at the same time, you know, if Micah has his proof, he should come forward with it as well. Um, otherwise, to to Phil's point, I I don't know who to believe with this statement. I'm sort of leaning towards Samedi, but again, that's just because he he says he can back it, and if he can, then. Uh, please do so. In Joseph McCarthy's briefcase, he has certifiable, <laughs> undeniable proof of all these communists in the United States of America who seek to tear down the entire country. In that briefcase was nothing. I don't know. Until there's actual proof, I it's nothing. All right. Well, if we get some kind of update uh, coming in here next week or in the weeks that follow, we'll talk about it. But other than that, the ball's sort of in uh, Micah Myers' court at this point. I think this has been a game of tennis, and uh, we'll see what he serves up over the coming weeks. So over in the D.C. neck of the woods, uh, we've got a really interesting <laughs> announcement about a... Over in their neck of the woods, there's a massive forest fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're actually starting in a good place, or what I think is a good place. Uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll sort of descend into madness later. Okay. Uh, we're getting a Martian Manhunter uh, limited series from Steve Orlando and Riley Rosmo. Dope! Do-do-do-do! <laughs> so, uh, Martian Manhunter hasn't had a solo title since 2015, which is, in comics time... Kind of a long time, but I don't think that anybody sees Martian Manhunter as a leading character most of the time. Um, But in this article by The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Steve Orlando talks about how Martian Manhunter is actually his favorite character. And so he's super excited to be able to do this. And I thought that his approach was pretty interesting. So I wanted to read a bit... uh, of what he had to say about doing this book to you guys. And in the meantime, be sure to check out some of the interior art that was shared in this article, because I want to talk big time about the art, especially with you, Marco. So, uh, Orlando had this to say in the past, John has been too perfect. One of the reasons people have not connected to him is that he was a perfect upright cop on Mars. And yes, his family died, but it was no fault of his own. And then he came to earth and he was perfect. Our favorite characters, that's not them, you know. Spider-Man let the burglar go. Bruce Wayne was too afraid to save his family. This book gives John that moment, and that's the keystone as to why this book will be, is, the Martian Manhunter story, because we finally know the why. Why he strives to be so good on Earth, why he has this journey, because he's never really had one before. All of our favorite characters overcome their faults, and we hope he's going to do it here, but he has to have them first. I don't think I don't. I've never perceived Jean as being as being perfect. He his whole mo is that he's lonely as shit because he can't identify with Earth's amores. He whereas Superman's an alien that was raised on Earth. Jean had his entire life stripped away from Mars and came to Earth. He's a, he's a true immigrant in the sense that it, it, unlike most immigrants, in that you might immigrate to a community where there's other people from the country that you are from. John is the last Martian coming to a new land. And, and his weakness is fire. What a bitch. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I, I think 
I, I get what they're saying though. Like as somebody who's, you know, experience with John is like super limited. Um, I, I definitely kind of have that perception of him as like this very like stoic kind of like perfect being, you know? And like, I, I feel like the, the point that he's making about like him needing to like have, I guess like a flaw, you know, or like some kind like some kind of, uh, darkness within him or something that he needs to overcome or whatever. Like, I think that's, that's like a salient point, you know? Um, and again, like I don't have a lot of experience with the character, but as somebody who's saying, this is my favorite character ever. And this is how I perceive him. I think there's probably something to that. I, 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 the adversity has overcome is that he is fucking really lonely. He, He's isolated. He's not perfect. But his point is that none of that's his fault, right? Like his, it wasn't his fault that his plant, like his species died out. It's not his fault that he's an outsider on earth. It's like, it's just, he's a victim of circumstance. But that's, that's, that's real life. That's identifiable. I think is that most people's problems aren't their fault. It is victim of circumstance. And that's how you overcome the adversity of being a victim of circumstance that is relatable. Because most people aren't responsible for their uncle being killed. And yet, DC has not managed to make Martian Manhunter relatable to the masses. So Steve Orlando was here trying to do that, that very thing. And to that, yeah, that, that, I, I believe he can do that too. Yeah, I, I, I do – I don't know. Like as somebody who's an outsider on, on most DC stuff, like you I definitely – You are Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yes, I am. I'm very lonely and I'm afraid of fire. Um, but no, I, I, I really see what he's saying here. And I, I think like uh, – and I made a similar case like uh, when we were talking about like the um, the Wonder Woman movie like way, way back when, you know, um, about like there not being that kind of like definitive take on the character, right? Like and that like is a thing that makes it harder for a broader audience to connect. And I think like having something that is a little bit more – you know, hey, like this is kind of like an origin story of sorts for a character that's really well explored and well worn, but like, you know, maybe you don't you don't know that well, you know, like you your your only experience with him is as a member of the Justice League or whatever, you know, like I think there's a lot of room there. For sure, because Wonder Woman's had a lot of really good runs in her history. That isn't true for the Martian Manhunter. Because for most people, even people that are really well versed in, in DC lore he is primarily a member of a core seven member of the justice league. Yeah. He's had like four or five runs maybe in 60 years. Yeah. It's crazy to me that he is like such a core member of the justice league and that he isn't more explored. Yeah. He's he's one of the original five. It's like, how did he even make the cut? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I, I really, think that this has the potential to be a a vision-esque book for DC. Um, Yeah. Just because, I mean, the the comparisons between Martian Manhunter and Vision are are pretty obvious, right? Um, But Vision was a similarly blameless character, right? He didn't really have the deep flaws that his... um, that his Avengers contemporaries had, and he was seen as just a, a member of the Avengers. And uh, Tom King gave Vision a heart, 
but he also gave him some tragedy. Like Geppetto, now, like Geppetto, he brought Pinocchio to life. Yes. And now I think, you know, you look at the excitement that people had for Chelsea Kane's turn on Vision, even though we're not going to see it, that same excitement doesn't exist, you know, five years ago. It only exists because of what Tom did. So it, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not really familiar with Steve Orlando stuff. I know I've read stuff by him, but none of it penetrated me. He's so, not bad. Yeah, he's good. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, what I do know is that Riley Rosmo is a is a is an artist that uh, I'm very familiar with, and I've loved and disliked. <laughs> I won't say hated, but disliked his work at the same time. Yep. So, Marco, I know you've had the exact same feelings, man. Where are you sitting with this preview art so far? Dude, it's fire. Like, this is him, for me, like, on point. Um, I, I, I pinged a, a, a cover over to, to our chat, and, like, that looks awesome. Yeah. Some of these, like, the, the poses, he has some um, some sketches up uh, in, the, in the link that we'll uh, provide to the article. Um, and he has these, like, wide-eyed sort of looks. It, it reminds me sort of, like, Invader Zim. Um, yeah, and definitely. that kind of style that I was like, yo, this, this sort of Riley Rossmo appeals to me. Um, and I'm sort of looking forward to it. He, it doesn't look as sort of sketched out as it might usually be. Like sometimes he'll go like way harder on, you know, not having consistent lines and sort of having them scribbled around. But this art seems a lot tighter. I think he's, um, maybe transitioning a little bit in terms of art, but he still has that super loose, just nice, I don't know, free-willed style that um, is the thing that I like from him, but it's restrained here, and I appreciate that. There's a creepiness to his character models. Yeah. That I, think, I mean, based on this one image provided, it's the first image in the article. Well, technically the second. The one where he's um, got the the badge on him and like the blood on his lip. No, I was actually referring to the one where he's in he's at the crime scene. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, you look at this image; it's really disturbing. Uh, and it's not just the dead people that are creeping me out. It's it's John himself. The face. It's, it's, yeah, the faces are very weird, and I love it and I hate it because <laughs> no one looks like this. You know, like. John looks strange, even in his human form. You know, he's got a weird face. And uh, structurally, his characters look fantastic. I think his models are always tight. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the faces are are, are odd. And I can't wait to see how this looks, you know, when I've got the book in my hands. But I can say that I'm definitely going to buy this. I love it. Yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think, um, the art alone, like has, like, I, I like his elevator pitch for like the passion he clearly has for the character, but like just the, 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 I think it's what the second or third image down in, in the Hollywood Reporter article that we linked to where there's like all the, just the face models that he's yeah. got, like there's so much personality in them and it like, it's dynamic. Yeah, very dynamic, and I think, like, the thing you said, Marco, like, it looks like, to me, like, a cross between, like, Invader Zim, The Mask, and Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, and, like, boy. It's sick. Like, look at, the, like, the picture of him where he's, like, yelling, 
you know? Like, he looks like Jim Carrey in the fucking mask. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's like, it looks like his face is made of rubber. I love it. All righty, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this book will be starting in December, and it's going to be a 12-issue run. So lots to look forward to. I think this is one of the most high-profile books uh, either creators ever had. So hopefully it goes well for them. Yeah. Best of luck, because this looks good. And now we will dive into the rabbit hole of absurdity that is the DC film universe. Hashtag damaged. Must we? Oh, boy. All right. So uh, we've talked a lot about Ben Affleck and how he's likely out as Batman because, well, at this point, because of the insurance costs of having him (laughs) play the role anymore. Um and now the question is, of course, who will don the cape? The cape and cowl, rather. Kale! Uh, no. <laughs> That's uh, where he's been gone. He's been casting. He's been bulking up. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the names being pitched is Ryan Gosling. And he actually, I think his name has been thrown around for the role of Batman for quite some time. Um, and he was asked. He was actually asked directly. And this is what he had to say. I don't think anybody wants that. I don't <laughs> That sounds exactly like Ryan Gosling. What a fucking self-burn. <laughs> and he said... To be what? fair, though, uh, if I'm going to pay to watch a Ryan Gosling movie, I'm going to pay to see his face, Okay. Like, off the bat. Okay, Marco. Whoa. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. He, he then said it would depend on Damien. You want to do that one? Damien being uh, Damien Chazelle, the director of La La Land. Um, and I guess they were they were in the same space when they were asked by Variety. Uh, and then he said, now that I'd like to see. Damien Chazelle, Batman, that I want to see. So the interpretation by CBR... And Variety is that he would do it if he could get Damien Chazelle. No, that's not what that means. Come okay. on, he's being he's being he's being funny. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think that you should take that literally at all. Like it, he's it, saying, like, oh, if he does it, I'll do it. He's not gonna fucking do it. That's why he's saying that. Yeah, he's being funny. He's it's just a it's a flippant remark. Um, Ryan well, Gosling is charming. Everyone, that's that's what this story is. That's the headline. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I really like Ryan Gosling a lot. Um, I, uh, Drive is a Drive is a great movie. Uh, nice Guys is a great movie. La La Land was a good movie. You know, he's got a good he's got a good like uh, resume. Lars and uh, Lars and the uh, the real girl and the, and the real girl. That's a good movie. He does a lot of uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's got a good resume of movies, but he's not really Batman. Yeah. I agree. He's, he doesn't have that persona. I feel, I don't think. And, uh, okay. And, uh, let's let's whoa whoa whoa. Let's save that. Uh, because <laughs> I, we're gonna we're gonna get back to it. Hold on. Easy, Phil. Easy. Oh, yep. you're good. You're good. Uh, down, boy. Down. <laughs> because the other name that's being thrown around this week is none other than John Hamm. Uh, and John yes, had a much more direct answer. To the question, he was interviewed uh, for a series called "In Depth" by Graham Bensinger, and he said 
It depends on the script what the story is. I'm a huge comic book fan, always have been. I've read comic books since I was nine or younger, and I'm pretty knowledgeable about a lot of them. And I like the genre, and I like when they're done well. Hell yeah. I'd probably fit the suit. I'd have to work out a lot, which I don't love, but I am sure there's an interesting version of that being out there. And if they wanted to tap me on the shoulder and ask me to do it, why not? I have had rumors about that since probably season one of Mad Men. I have never had a conversation with anybody about it, literally. And I've sat in the room with all these guys. I have never been offered anything. I think the internet wants what it wants. But, I mean, a lot of people have to sign off on that. Obviously, not just the internet. So... We're going to do a buy or sell. Oh, look at that. Nice. It's cool. back. It's deep it's, in the show. It's, it's back. It's been a while, too. It's yeah. been a while. It's back. Here's an opportunity to do one, and it's a hot one. Your pick, Ryan Gosling's version of Batman or John Hamm's version of Batman. Consider that it's going to be age appropriate. So John Hamm can't play the same Batman that Ryan Gosling can. So you tell me which one you would rather see. Older John Hamm Batman or younger Ryan Gosling Batman? Marco, kick it off for us. John Hamm. So you're buying on John Hamm. And I'm buying because Ryan Gosling, he's, he'll be the, he'll be the, um, he'll too much be the player boy. Like the, the, the pretty guy, I, I think. Like it, mask off. He won't be that sort of, and at least it's just like the way you sort of perceive him from other movies and whatnot, right? Uh, but he won't be that sort of more straighter edge, suave business guy. He'll be the more like coy, playful, whatnot. Uh, whereas John Hamm, I think, can be that sort of, just looking at Mad Men, can be that sort of figure from a Bruce Wayne perspective as well as Batman. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna double down on that one and say I would also pick John Hamm. Hey. Um, I big fan of John Hamm. Great actor. Uh, he's funny, uh, but he's also like Marco said. He's proved that he can be uh, like suave and you know handsome and have like a little bit of an edge to him. Uh, that's Bruce Wayne, right? And I think as much as uh, I don't actually agree with Marco and Phil that I think Ryan Gosling could be Bruce Wayne if he wanted to. But I think I actually think he would be a better Green Arrow. Yeah, um, shit. I you like know what I'm it. saying? I like it. I, I feel like I feel like he'd be a great Oliver. So I would. I'd rather see. Let's let John Hamm be Batman and get Gosling in there as Green Arrow. Oof. Oof. I like it. <laughs> Phil has a chub. He's got the look, you know, like I think you give him a little goatee, like he's got that kind of like, he's good at playing that like, he's nice and charming, but he's kind of cocky, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like both of them would nail those two roles. So I don't see, I don't think Ryan Gosling really has much interest in doing a superhero movie. I don't think that really is his thing. Um, and like you two, I'm also going to buy on a John Hamm Batman because I think I think Mad Men alone sold me on him being able to be Bruce Wayne. Um, but I was trying to think about how I could incorporate Ryan Gosling into this anyway. And I was thinking he could play an antagonist in this movie. And I was trying to think of antagonists he could play. The first person I thought of was Scarecrow, but we've kind of already done that. Maybe we could do a more comic book actor Scarecrow, which I think would be really cool. But the other, the other name I thought of was, what if he played Hush? Ooh. Oh, 
I like it except for the part where Bat or Bruce and Tommy are the same age yeah. and they also look alike. True. I I was just trying to come up with something. You can't beat mine. No, yours is perfect. I agree. <laughs> what what are you, Sean? So I am buying on John Ham, which should surprise no one. I am obsessed with the idea of John Ham as as Batman. That's great. And even though I don't really like the old Batman on screen thing, I think it's damaging to your brand if Bat if Bruce can't be young, um, because then you're limited as far as how long you can do the dance. Uh, you look at what's going on over at Marvel with Iron Man, they're going to have to retire that character um, at some point sooner than I'm sure they would like to have to do that. And I think uh, when you cast someone who's already old in the role of Batman, the limitations are immediately clear, and that's not good. He, he's, 40, so, he's 47 years old. Is yeah. he really? Yeah. Wow. So, with that being said, though, I think that John would do such a good job that I would sacrifice my beliefs <laughs> to watch what he would do. And I think it'd be brilliant, and I'm dying for it. So, DC, let's do it. Hell yeah. And Ryan Gosling, I don't think I've seen anything he's been in. I don't care about him and uh, whatever. Oh, you'd probably like Drive, dude. Yeah. I've always wanted to watch Drive, but it just hasn't happened. Yeah, and you, you might like Nice Guys, too. That's a fun one. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get the John Hamm version of of Bruce Wayne now that uh, it appears Ben Affleck is out of the picture. Sounds like he's game. Give him the call. Yeah. Now, as far as who would make that phone call, uh, that has changed <laughs> because Pam Lifford is now uh, the main executive behind DC Entertainment, which has been shifted uh, to be under the umbrella of Warner Media, uh, which is a new division that will, like I said, be led by Pam Lifford. Uh, so this announcement was made a few days ago. Um, she will be the president of Warner Brothers Global Brands and Experiences, which is referred to as WBGBE, which is very long. Too many letters. Yes. Uh, so obviously there's been a lot of shifts going on over at DC with the uh, AT&T acquisition, Warner Media becoming a thing, um, and just, just all this stuff that's going on. So uh, Kevin Sujihara, who is the CEO of Warner Brothers, had this to say about bringing Pam on board in this level. Uh, with competition for consumers' attention more intense than ever and brand awareness and loyalty more important than ever, there's a great way to help focus on creating opportunities for fans to meaningfully interact with our brands and franchises at a level beyond the screen. Pam has deep experience across consumer products and building emotional connections with fans, and in the two years she's been at Warner Brothers, has proven herself and her vision. I'm excited to have her bring that vision to this new business. Now, Pam is probably most notable uh, for her work at DC, creating um, DC Girls, this, the superhero girls lineup that has been so, so successful for them. Um, she also worked for Disney as part of Marvel's consumer brands division. Uh, so she's got experience 
in this realm. Um, and uh, I, I think she's she's done a great job so far with what she's been doing. So so having her oversee the actual film division, I think she could do a good job. What do you guys think about that? I think the chairs have shuffled so many times that I would not be surprised if Sean ended up taking that job in like <laughs> six months. Yo, I'm ready. I believe it. You have my faith. Uh, yeah, but I, I do think what you're saying is salient here, Sean. It seems like she is probably a good pick for this job, considering what uh, what her previous positions have been and the level of success that she's found in them. Um, you know, the, the, the big projects that you highlighted there were things that were, you know, um, kind of like broader brand initiatives that are focused at, like, you know, non uh, – I don't want to say like non-traditional segments of their market, but like, you know, 10 years ago, if you had asked what a DC children's cartoon, like who the primary audience would be, it would be, you know, young boys probably. Right. So her innovating and like finding a way to um, try to hit new markets and new segments is something that is like, you know, um, that's, that's forward thinking and it's smart. And that's the kind of stuff that we're constantly asking for from, from these companies. So having somebody like that at the head of a part of your, you know, uh, brand that is struggling, but probably ultimately has the biggest potential for growth and mainstream success uh, is, I, I think seems like a good move. We'll see what she does, but. I think the sort of the shuffling of all these seats, um, sure, she's coming on in this new role and you know dc's been shifting a lot i think it's more telling of the business as a whole that they don't know what to do internally <laughs> and that even though they're bringing on these people like fine if they don't have an internal direction who cares who you bring on because they're not aligned on something there's no larger goal there and that's just from the way they've been again dropping people people have been coming in and out like it's i think it's more reflection of the company than the people who are joining the company. I think Marco makes a good point. DC Entertainment lacks vision. <laughs> they lacks direction. I, Wilson Fisk, will lead DC into a new era. And no, I don't have an ulterior motive. I don't think you're allowed to do that, Mr. Fisk. You're the president. <laughs> it doesn't stop the real president. <laughs> what do you mean, real president? The real president is Wilson Fisk. Well, the real president, please stand up. Please we, just, stand we decided this 96 Episode episodes ago. <laughs> it's amazing that the president, Wilson Fisk, has not been impeached yet for all the things he's done. <laughs> Brett, like, you, the fact that he's he's like publicly fought Spider-Man and Daredevil like on several occasions. You think people, but I, that's the thing, man, he's made the media an enemy of the people. So now he, all he has to do is turn on Fisk news and everybody just believes him. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I don't like this much politics in my, uh, my podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Marvel. Just, we already said we're, we're getting away from politics. I'm sorry. Marvel. Meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. <laughs> Where's Yoshida? <laughs> so, uh, now we're reaching the bottom of the pit 
that is known as DC's Weird Week. I thought Kale would be uh, down there. <laughs> at the bottom of the pit. No, he's not down here, but the actor who portrays him is. Uh, Henry Cavill. <laughs> according to The Hollywood Reporter, is out as Superman amid the huge shakeup that's going on at Warner Brothers. So this week there's been a ton of conversation after Hollywood Reporter dropped this bombshell article that claims that Henry Cavill was dropped by Warner Brothers uh, in part to clean up the stink left behind by the Zack Snyder regime. Uh, many rumors cut. have directors cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's been a ton of rumors that have come out of this report. And we're going to dive into all that and see if we can figure out what the hell is really going on and if any of this is even true. That April Fool's thing ended up being true. Or did it? Uh-huh. I'm not convinced. So let's take this step by step. So first things first. Step we have. Step. Oh, God. We have the Go ahead. Hollywood Reporter article that says that uh, – Warner Brothers wanted to have Henry Cavill uh, do a guest spot in Shazam. Um, But contract talks between Cavill's representatives and the studio broke down, uh, which another article that I don't have in front of me suggests it was due to finances, that uh, Henry was not pleased with the amount of money he was offered for this potential cameo in Shazam. Um, And that Warner has now pivoted to focus on the Supergirl movie, which we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, which, of course, uh, Henry Cavill wouldn't be a part of either. On top of that, based on this Hollywood Reporter article, Warner isn't interested in making a Superman solo film for at least several years, which we've also talked about in the past, that Man of Steel 2 was either not happening at all or was very, very far from reality. Uh, so, according to a source that uh, that the Hollywood Reporter sources here, Superman is like James Bond, and after a certain run, you have to look at new actors. So, that that's according according to them. That's what's happening. They're looking for somebody else to play Superman. Uh, not much now, of fun, huh? Not at all. Warner Brothers has released a statement regarding this this issue we have a great relationship and great respect for henry cavill that continues to remain unchanged additionally we have made no current decisions regarding any upcoming superman films now a source from warner says that the shazam deal fell apart because of scheduling conflict conflicts but cavill recently signed on to star in the witcher netflix series which presumably is going to take him off the table for a little while, depending on how successful it is and how long shooting takes and all that jazz. So the question, I think, on the outset is, are we looking at a fundamental shift in Warner's approach to the DC films? Are they looking to get rid of Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill deliberately in an effort to recast and reshuffle the deck? Or is this just a case of Henry playing hardball? I think the real question here is, do they even care about the DCU film universe? No, like, no, no, no. 
No. Because, I mean, if they're going to be sort of just wanton, like, oh, you're gone. Oh, you're going to be replaced. Oh, like, this is happening. Then I can I can see why he'd want to be out. I can see why people would want to push, execs would want to push Henry out. It's because they don't have that internal alignment and don't know what the fuck's going on. And, you know, putting pulling Henry out and not having a set decision on super future superhero movies, uh, Superman movies, sorry. Like, uh, yes, I think he's out. And yes, I think they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they're dumb. There was, there was one line that really like, uh, stuck out to me when you said the thing that they had like made the decision to pivot towards the Supergirl movie. Uh, Phil, I know you'll you'll appreciate this reference. It just made me think of this joke from Parks and Recreation where Aziz Ansari is holding a basketball and just pivoting. And he's like, you told me to pivot. And he's like, I told you you can pivot, not to only pivot. <laughs> and that's like, I feel like the DC film universe's entire strategy. <laughs> yeah. When the going gets rough, I guess let's try something else, maybe. Um, I guess to answer your question, I could be a little bit of both. I think Henry Cavill's maybe playing a little hardball because this is probably not panned out the way he wanted it to. On the out, on the outset of 2011, he was probably thinking like, "I'm going to play one of the most iconic fictional characters in all in all of culture." And then on the outset of Man of Steel in 2013, Batman v Superman in what 2015, and especially Justice League. This is not what he signed up for. I mean, literally it is, but not quality-wise. And after the success of Mission Impossible 5, I think he realizes that he has other options. There's People will hire him to play other characters and other parts, and he's a viable actor. And I don't think he hates playing Superman. I think he has I think he does have a deep respect for that character and his portrayal is not the problem with those movies not at all he's very you see glimpses especially in Justice League of what he really could have brought to the character with a quality director because Joss Whedon's a much more capable director than Zack Snyder ever was um, whoa, 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 whoa. A director's cut. Director's cut. Joss Whedon? I know. Oh, boy. But he's a much more competent director than Zack Snyder is. It's just, a, it's, a, I think it's, a, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, it's an apparent truth. Um, now, the other part is Warner Brothers pushing him out. And I think they are. I think ultimately they are. I think they're trying to distance themselves as much as they want, as, as much as they can from Zack Snyder. I think that's what this ultimately is. Uh, and they are still looking at this from a classic studio perspective rather than what Marvel and Disney has been doing is with their very kind of symbiotic kind of living organism of a film structure. They're like, well, Superman's James Bond – Let's retire this IP for a little bit. We'll come back to it in a few years. Mm-hmm. 
because they're still looking at it from an old school studio perspective. We gotta let this breathe for a, le- a little bit and let and let people miss this. So I think I think they are trying to let Henry Cavill. I think they are they are pushing him out. Yeah, the, the whole the whole thing they've done is just it's a mess, man. It's frankly it's a mess because now they have this thing where they have a bunch of these actors that they want to get rid of, but they want to keep Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot because that was super successful and people like it. And, you know, it's like they're just building more and more on top of a foundation that's made of mud, you know, like it's I think it's a simple solution. Honestly, Uh, if you if you are Warner Brothers and you want to retire a lot of this, just make a Wonder Woman trilogy and just let it be. In a classical sense, like there was a Spider-Man trilogy, there was an X-Men trilogy, there was a Batman quadrilogy. We don't have to talk about the last two movies, but like just just make a classic trilogy. It's a good idea. Well, I mean, I'm sure that's what they're going to do, but I think like what you said, that's them thinking in the old studio model, and it's the thing of like if they want to build this universe like they say they want to do, you know. They should it's, just, it's, just give up on that, honestly. I think they should too. And I think I think I honestly think they would benefit more from just having these films do their own thing. Yeah. And uh, if they want to have them what's that? You guys are nuts. Dude, they're just like I. I think that that's not what I want them to do, but I think like they've proven that they're just they're not they're not nailing it. And in a, in a capable sense, that is nuts because uh, look at Marvel and the money they're printing left and right with their their shared yeah. universe. But that's a capable film studio that has like a centralized plan. If if Warner Brothers can do something like that. Sure, but like all the news we've been getting in the last six months indicates the quite the opposite. Everything is still they lack just, vision. They need Wilson Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> to to your right. point, though, like they, if if like if they were to do that trilogy, clean the slate, uh, and maybe even in that old exec mind of like, okay, these people have missed these characters long enough. Fine, we have to bring them back. But again, cleaning having that just living off the success of wonder woman <clears throat> learning from ideally from their mistakes and learning from the successes of wonder woman then be like all right no we're not going to start with batman we're not going to start with superman because these are tired these are ips that we've sort of have damaged in the public's eye and we should start with uh, uh what is it a, a green arrow movie like we should but like it, it in in the respect of we need to do something that isn't Superman and Batman because we've tarnished them and f- keep them in the back pocket for once we have the bases because you're going to enter into the same system. Like It's too soon to try to... It's too late to try to fix it, but it's too soon to do anything new. You know why I laugh, Marco? I laugh because that is literally the exact same thing that happened a decade ago. Uh, yeah, you're right. They... They literally did the Superman Returns movie, realized that it sucked and people didn't want it, coming off of the heels of the awful last two Batman movies before Batman Begins, and what did they try? They tried to start a DC universe with Green Lantern, and it was complete trash. But and granted, the movie was actually bad. That was the problem. So the the that yeah, that was the problem more than anything. But I don't think that you need to go. You know, you need to pivot beyond Batman and Superman because they're not the problem. Those characters are great. 
That's not the issue. But I, I, I do want to stop this portion of the conversation for a second because there's so much more to talk about in this vein, and we will come back this way. All right. Now, Henry Cavill actually did respond to all of this. This was interesting. Yeah. Um, first, his agent, Danny Garcia, said on Twitter, Be peaceful. The cape is still in his closet. Warner Brothers Pictures has been and continues to be our partners as they evolve the DC Universe. Anticipate a WB statement later today. We already read the WB statement. It was vague. What was weird was Henry's response himself. He said the following. Today was exciting. Hashtag Superman. And that was the caption to a video he posted on Instagram of himself holding a Superman toy and posing while wearing a Krypton lifting team t-shirt. I don't know what any of that means. That's so cryptic. It puts it's the like, crit it's, it's in cryptic so, It's so many elements that are like utterly meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. And that's why I feel like this is all crap. So, there's another element, okay? Uh, the other element is that according to Deadline, <laughs> yeah, and this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough talk. I know. According to Deadline, Michael B. Jordan is a front runner to play Superman next. I had to really like, wrap my head around that one. Like I had to, yeah. I had to like figure out how I felt. It's like what? But I wouldn't hate it. I don't know how I feel about it. They're making James Bond black, right? Well, I mean that might happen. It might be um, uh, Idris Elba. That's been talked about for a while. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's been talked about. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means from the outset i don't know if like if what what really is weird is henry cavill's response in all this that's like the real like wrench in all this because he makes it sound like he's still doing it so i don't know what's happening i am so against the idea of michael b jordan playing superman that I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even go see the movie if they did that. Whoa! It's not fair, dude. You have to go. You're not allowed to boycott stuff. <laughs> well, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I uh, so so. This is where my conflict lies. I, I don't know if I like Michael B. Jordan as Clark Kent. I don't think it's really in his range. Uh, I, I've seen Michael B. Jordan in a couple movies, and he's a little bit typecasted in that kind of Black Panther role he was in. And for me, that's not super Superman. Um, now, if you're going to do a Black Superman movie, that I, I, there is uh, a Black Superman, uh, Calvin Ellis, Calvin Ellis, uh, which is kind of more in the Barack Obama kind of archetype. And uh, so if I were to cast a Black Superman movie, the person I thought of was Denzel Washington. He's a little old, though, don't you think? Old as hell. Yeah, yeah. but, like, I, I mean, that, that was the first person that came to mind. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be him. Uh, but, like, 
an actor like Cal, uh, Calvin Ellis, like Denzel Washington is what comes to mind. Um, I don't know what they would do. Listen, first of all, we all know there's only one young black actor in Hollywood, and that's Michael B. Jordan. Sean Bartley. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> um, well, there's, there's, I mean, they've been, they're, they're, I don't think that's true, though. No, it's a joke. Listen, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think, I think, I think there's more than one black actor in Hollywood. Apparently not, because every time there's a role, it's, it's for Michael B. Jordan only. Um, Did Michael B. Jordan play everyone in Black Panther? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Everybody was either old or a woman or Michael B. Jordan. Is, no, 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 no. The women and the old people were also Michael B. Jordan, heavy cop. There you go. I want to see those credits, the real credits <laughs> yeah. for Black Panther. This sounds I like heard some, he directed, too. This sounds like some Infowars shit. <laughs> now, I would not be for any black actor playing Superman. I have no desire to see that. What if it was You're right? I want to see a Hispanic actor. What if it? No. What if it was black? <laughs> but what if it was the black Superman? Calvin That's Ellis. unacceptable. That's that, no. I'm not interested in that. Okay. All right. There's only there is only one Superman we need on screen to set it off. After that, feel free. But to me, and I've always said this, this is a cons- very consistent with who I am. Extremely consistent. I yeah. want the real character from the comics to appear on screen first. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. For me, it's like I don't – it doesn't matter to me that much. You know, like I, I – I did when I, I was Spider-Man. No, because it was Miles Morales. I've also had the consistent opinion that I would be fine if they had a black Peter Parker. But you said um, it was too crowded. Too many Spider-Men. That's different. <laughs> or I've, I've had the consistent opinion of superhero comics. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like we talk about this every time there's like one of these kinds of like casting announcements. And, you know, I think it all comes down to like how good the movie is, really. Yeah, that's that's where I end up landing on it as well. I can get behind it if it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I... I that being said, like, I, I don't know. I feel like the whole, this whole situation is is so interesting to me because, I, and if I can, can we take it back to the whole? That's me rewinding for you. Are we are we good to to kind of loop it back now? No, no. Not oh, okay. Not. I'm sorry. Go ahead then. <laughs> Cut that out, Marco. <laughs> all right. So it sounds like we all we are, we're all like on the fence about Michael B. Jordan. I'm obviously taking a hard stance of no, but uh, the rest of you guys could see it working, maybe. What about Ken Jeong? <laughs> Yo, that'd when be hilarious. When all this news broke, when all this news broke, he posted a photoshopped picture of himself from Batman vs Superman when uh, when Superman's in the courtroom. And it's, it's just his face on Superman's body <laughs> with the caption, make this happen. And now the hashtag Ken for Kent and Ken for Superman hashtags are uh, popping off on Twitter <laughs> as a result. How fucking funny would it be if, if he was in a new hyphen Superman movie? Like, <laughs> he's way too old, but we can just have him play a 17-year-old. Why not? <laughs> That's insane. 
So I just I just thought that was cool. Tobey Maguire was in his 30s when he played a 17-year-old. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, now, the other wrinkle is TMZ. Of course. Because TMZ posted an article saying, and this is the headline, Henry Cavill's Superman conflict is fake. And this is what they had to say. The social media firestorm over Henry Cavill's fate in the next installment of Superman turns out to be an invented conflict. Sources in the know tell TMZ there's no real discussion over the main role because there's no active Superman project. Yeah. It's true. Cavill has felt he was underpaid for the role, and that's an issue, as is what some say was an underwhelming performance. We're told if and when the next Superman project is greenlit, Cavill along with others would be in play. If, for example, a director felt he was the perfect guy for the role, he could end up under the cape, could end up with another cape, assuming he and the studio could come to terms. The whole brouhaha started when Cavill turned down a cameo in Shazam over money and then accepted a Netflix deal for The Witcher. Apparently, some people thought that the, some people thought he moved on from Superman, but the fact is, there's no conflict because up to this point, there's no movie project. Now. All this talk aside, I completely buy what TMZ That sounds said. exactly like the truth. Yeah. Yep. That sounds very, very, very realistic. God damn, Sean. You're taking me on this emotional roller coaster ride. I'm here thinking Henry Cavill's out. The DC universe is fucked. And now it's just like, there's just no movie. It's like, no, all right, fine. no, 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 no. You're still right in the last part. <laughs> I think this is much to do about nothing. I think two studios. Or a studio and an actor and his representatives played hardball to try to get a little more cash for the Shazam role. And other than that, they're not talking about Superman because there's no project. Yeah, so I, I guess Warner Brothers isn't trying to CGI Henry Cavill out of their movie future. <laughs> though I will say, though, the, the point you made earlier, Sean, I think about the whole uh, Witcher thing is a really salient one. Because if that show pops off and it's a big deal, like... Who knows? Like, will he be available for Superman? Yeah. And well, like the other thing you said, like he has options, right? Or that was Phil, but like with Mission Impossible and everything else, like you know, maybe if there isn't a Superman project in the next couple of years, he's going to be busy doing other shit anyway. Well, kind of tie it back to the start of the show. He's going to be doing that TV show, and he's going to be doing our podcast as the surrogate kill. That's a once a week in like thing, man. Like every you know, it's like that's a big investment. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to prepare for it. That's going to take five days for him. They He's shoot gotta... Superman movies exclusively on Saturdays, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's right. Go ahead. Well, they put the S in Superman and in Saturday. Boom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Facts <laughs> confirmed. So, Pete, you wanted to sort of take it back to an earlier point that you were making. Yeah, uh, so I, I guess just to like wrap it back like i think this this whole situation just seems very um i think like you said it seems like it's kind of an inflated controversy right like i think to say that there's that it was like uh i don't know I, I, to say it's fake maybe seems like a little bit like of a of an oversimplification but it seems like there was a lot of smoke for very little fire and that like at the end of the day it seems like yeah, he could still be Superman, but he he could also not be. And and it really is going to, like, 
I would say assume he's Superman until you hear otherwise, right? Yeah. Well, also, contracts exist, right? So, like, until we know that he's done his contract, like, it's it's over, or they or they cancel it, he's Superman. Right? But, yeah, yes, but obviously, you know, he it doesn't seem like his contract is as on lock as it is for the people in the Marvel flicks, you know? Because, like... It might be conditional or something. Sure. Um... Because it's like you think about, right, like Robert Downey's cameo in Spider-Man was part of his last deal, you know, like, like, you know, it's like, oh, there's a certain amount of like smaller roles that you can do too, right? Or whatever. So it's like the fact that they don't have that kind of stuff ironed out, like seems, makes it seem like it's maybe a little bit more nebulous than some of the other contracts that we like could compare it to. It's like they don't have a plan. What? No. Because when you negotiate that contract with Robert Downey Jr., it's like, oh, yeah, well, these are the movies we're making. With DC, it's like, bruh. (laughs) Six Joker movies? Sounds good to me. Superman could be in one of them. (laughs) So we were talking about the DC film universe as a wider thing and whether or not it should exist. And the point was made that they should cool their jets with the two primary characters Stick to the smaller scale stuff until we miss Batman and Superman enough that we clamor for them and then bring them back. And I was saying that I disagree with the strategy. The reason why I disagree with the strategy is because those droughts, I don't know that they're effective, right? Like, I don't know that people cared about the Dark Knight and Batman Begins because we had had a break from the bad. I don't know that that's the case. Uh, I'm not ready to believe that necessarily. I think that might be uh, part people of it. were, I mean, people were very accepting of of uh, Spider-Man in the MCU sure. after all the awfulness we had we had to deal with for three straight movies. If you didn't like the Amazing Spider-Man films, and obviously Spider-Man Three was a mess. And there was that narrative though of just like we're rebooting Spider-Man again. That's true. The narrative existed, but then when people saw it, no one cared. That's very true. But. If they came out and put out a, a mediocre Batman reboot, I think it would be really bad. But that's but but that's with anything. You can't we can't judge it that I way. Mean, that's, because if it's if it's bad, it's bad, and then that's going to be a problem. That's fair. I just I want to say I'm just taking a devil's advocate position there. I actually agree with you, Sean. I would rather see them tidy up the universe than put away Batman and Superman. I think Batman and Superman are your fucking bread and butter, and all these other characters are B and C listers. You know, yeah, and like yeah, but the, the, Wonder Woman's now in that upper echelon. Finally, that's that's, and, that, that's the whole thing, though, is that all that matters is making a good movie. Iron Man was a B lister too in two thousand seven, and come two thousand eight, every person in the country knew who he was. Right, and and you're right, but and my point is though, I think like to what Marco's saying, what I would do right now if I was in the 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 you know driver's seat on this thing. We've already got a successful Wonder Woman franchise. Let's keep that rolling. We've got the setup for Shazam, who's essentially a brand new character, yeah, right? Like for no sure. moviegoer audience has any exposure to him. Absolutely. Great. That's a that's a clean slate and an opportunity for a fresh start. We'll see how Aquaman turns out. I know like we're a little divided on how we think that looks, but um if if those things pan out do your fucking Flashpoint event or something and just fucking make a reason that Henry Cavill's Superman and Ben Affleck's Batman go away and no. just fucking bring somebody else in. No, burn it all. 
We're just gonna go with that Titans car, that Titans show that's on the DC app. <laughs> Push all Be- your money into that. Beast that's Boy's not even at. green, Phil. Fucking shut your mouth. Beast <laughs> Boy's not even green. Wasn't he orange in the beginning? It, that's irrelevant. He's he's just a white kid. <laughs> that's that is true. In this show, he is just a white kid. So yeah, my that, put all your eggs in that basket. I don't think Shazam or Aquaman. <laughs> Swamp Thing is gonna come Troll- out. It's gonna be R rated. Yeah, do it. Trolling aside. I think it's naive to say that all that matters is a good movie. That's just not true. Batman and Superman, good movies, even decent or bad movies, will make more money than really good movies starring another character. That's just the way it is. Making good movies with those characters and with every character is paramount, but you can't leave out your main characters. You just can't do it. I mean, this is is the thing, though. That's not entirely true. Marvel was able to build an entire cinematic universe on... IPs that people weren't very familiar with. People knew that that's they, Marvel, right? But if you could, you could do that with Warner Brothers too. If you have a capable central brain trust of like, yeah, be able to cap- cultivate films. I think Phil's right about that because I, I think like every one of the MCU characters was a B or C lister until the MCU. Their you first, know? their first A list thing they put out was. Before, with prior context, with Spider-Man in 2017. And Hulk. Yeah, but again, it's a different situation. Marvel had no rights to their, to those characters. They could not. You think Marvel would have started with Iron Man if they could have started with Spider-Man? No, not, obviously not. I'm not cont- hold on, hold on. <laughs> they wouldn't have done that. Uh, DC has the rights to all of their characters. Yes. So there's literally no reason not to run with Batman or Superman other than the fact that you guys personally want to see other characters. Don't, don't but, say you guys. But but financially speaking, there's no logic behind doing that. There And there's no reason not to. I, I'm not – I don't actually think they should put a soft reboot on – or a soft pause on these characters. That was Marco's point, just putting him on blast. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I said Yeah, that. you're roping us in with that one. But Well, you guys are defending it. Uh, no, I'm saying that they have – they they have an IP base that can still be carried by other characters. I think they have a leg up theoretically because they have Batman and Superman. Yeah, but it's just that it's all ran. It's incompetently ran. Agreed. So, I I but I th- but I think Wonder Woman works. Yeah. Obviously, you keep doing that. Flash, like people like the Aquaman, whatever. Find the right idea. For Superman and Batman and make it work. Matt Reeves says the script is done. Matt Reeves says on Twitter he sent the script out. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do the next Superman. But let's do it right. Yeah. Let's Let's do it hopefully with Henry Cavill. Believe me, if there was one thing I wanted, is a Superman movie done right. And I have no problem with Henry Cavill being Superman. Like, I think he's totally capable of delivering a good performance. I'd love to see him get his shot. But I'm also not attached to him. So if they move on with somebody else and we get a, a clean slate, I'm okay with that. John Hamm. I, dude, I would I would watch that. I would. <laughs> I think John Hamm could be a good Superman. Well, damn. I I, um, I had a, a question for you guys. And now it's really- What kind of question was it? <laughs> the random question of the week! 
Uh, there you go. He was really sick. Taking... that end of buy or sell? This is a crazy episode, you guys. I know. I was going to ask if we take Henry Cavill off the, st- off the stage completely, what actor should play Superman? Oh, not. You mean not between. Oh. What? It could be anybody no. except Henry Cavill. <laughs> After we did the Batman one before, I'm like, wait, did we answer that question? It was like, no, we, we were talking about Batman. Never mind. Man, I don't give a shit as long as it's a good movie. <laughs> Hot take, buddy. <laughs> so, spoken like a person who has no idea about superhero characters or care like you're, i guess once you're you doing care. Great, buddy <laughs> danny trejo oh boy <laughs> no uh yikes are rooney hold on a uh, second let's honestly, play off that one no honestly i, <laughs> I uh, let's give that one some consideration in a second i i would want it to be an actor that i don't know you know like i would i would really like it to be like a younger kind of like unknown, you know, like, or somebody who's like small time who just like has the right look, has the right charm, you know, and Kale Ward. No. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) So I agree with you, Pete, for the sake of answering the question though, I'm actually going to throw something impossible out there. Let's hear it. And, uh, not Christopher Reeves, but, uh, Brandon Ruth. Oh, bringing Brandon Routh back. I think he did. I think he did a good job. I don't think he was the problem with with that movie. And I would love to see him get another opportunity. Who is this guy? He was Superman Returns. Oh, okay. He also plays the Adam in the Greg Berlanti TV shows. I think he's the only guy to play two superheroes in live action adaptions. No. What? Two different... Ben Affleck? Oh, God. Ben, Af- right. and, uh, ben Affleck and then also Ryan Reynolds. Oh. Uh, yeah. Jeez. We were just talking shit about Green Lantern earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot Deadpool existed. Um, How could you? How could you remember Green Lantern but forget Well, that? because we were talking about it. It was like on topic. Right. In any event, go on. Um, so that's what worked about Superman 1978 is that it was a relative unknown. Um, Christopher Reeve was a nobody. And they decided to surround him with a bunch of name actors like uh, Gene uh, Gene Hackman and uh, Marlon Brando. Like you feel the star power with the people around your no-name Superman because part of the earnest of Superman is that he's an everyman. So I I I also don't have like an ideal casting. I've talked about in a show doing John Hamm as as uh, Red Sun Superman because I think that'd be a fun kind of portrayal but that's a one-off thing um and that works with his age too i i think i think we're a character like that going with the no-name actor is the way to go because in 1951 george reeves was only known as a b-list actor who was in you know a, a supporting role in gone with the wind um christopher reeve like like we said was nobody brandon routh was a nobody he just did some random soap operas in the 90s um and Henry Cavill was a relative nobody too. He was in um, the Tudors, so like I think that's the way to go. And it's not to say that you can't pick a big name actor and make it work. Like you know, 
Michael Keaton was a known quantity before he played Batman. Robert Downey Jr. was already, you know, him who he was before Iron Man. Like, I think it's different for uh, those kind of larger-than-life kind of personalities, though. I, I think there's something to be said about that, tr- that too. You know, like, I, I like the idea of Superman kind of being, you know, like you said, like an everyman, and not somebody who I think of as, you know, someone else, an actor, whoever else, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well... I think that's going to do it for this conversation. What an obviously, episode, yeah, Jam-packed. obviously, uh, whether or not Henry Cavill is actually out as Superman, uh, I don't know that we cracked the case here, sadly. Uh, personally, I think TMZ figured it out way ahead of us. Well, but, when he joins um, our show with Surrogate Kale, maybe he can tell us. That's true. Yeah. Hey, the offer's on the table. Henry, if you want to join us, you can sit down with the pals. Anytime. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you guys out there. Who would you like to play to see play Superman? Is Michael B. Jordan your ideal Superman, or is it someone entirely different? Maybe Ken Jeong. Maybe you're into that idea. Is this your king? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is this your Superman? Is this your Superman? Um, I love it. So yeah, there's plenty of ways that you can let us know and reach out. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. You can hit us up with a buy or sell, a random question of the week, or your thoughts on what we discuss on this or any other episode of the show. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you're checking this out on there, you can leave us a like, drop us a comment, share the video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. Be sure to hit that notification button to ensure that you see our content when it drops. Pete, hit us with your plugs, man. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, listeners, for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. Uh, if you guys want to catch some more content from me, you can catch me on Sean on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, which I host. And uh, we get together and talk about video games. You wouldn't have guessed it. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking all about the Nintendo Direct, where there were quite a few announcements that I was very excited about. We're going to be having our buddy Ed from the Party Nerds joining us again. So uh, that's always a great time whenever he's on the show to talk Nintendo with us. So come hang out if you're a gamer and you've never given the show a shot. Um, maybe you'll enjoy it as much as you enjoy this fine program. Uh, and then if you want to catch me on, uh, you know, the web or whatever, I'm at, uh, loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, and then remember, you can also check out my, uh, own writing about Nintendo, uh, news and reviews over at lootpots.com. Awesome. Marco. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, Regarding the last week's update, just on like that comic that I'm doing with uh, Nate Wells, uh, we should be finishing up some um, initial inks and stuff like that. So he'll be ideally we'll be able to share some pictures, but uh, if not, keep you guys posted. And Kale's at Toto in Tow. That's T O T O I N T O W. Soon to be replaced by the uh, Henry Cavill. At, at so, real Henry Cavill. <laughs> at real Henry Cavill. So um, I'm thinking about changing the handle actually. To oh really? Toto in Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Not Cavill. Not Cavill and Toe. Oh, Cavill and Toe is pretty good, Marco. Well, well thought there, my fellow pal. Thanks. Um, and you can also find no, 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 be- no, Henry. You have to be fussy. <laughs> 
No, I like it. I like this new Kale. He's nice. He's got a nice accent. Yeah, uh, Marco, you can... you're a, you're you're a, you're a dumb waker. Uh, all right, it's a little better, I guess. A little bit. Yeah. You almost got it. Oh, you're getting there. You you'll get there, Henry. Oh, <laughs> uh, he also has his stuff at Panels Publishing. Go check that out. Uh, his stuff's on Comicsology from the Deep. Um, Popcorn Phil. That's a right good plug there, Marco. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Why are you laughing, Phil? It's just it's such a change in pace on the show. Kale's so polite now. <laughs> I appreciate the support, New Kale. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me on social media platforms at Cyborg Bebop. That's C Y B O R T B E B O P. Wow! And uh, uh, be sure to share a nice Molson with Canadian Wolverine if you're if you find <laughs> your way up in Saskatchewan. Is it a Saskatchewan? Well, the capital is Saskatchewan. Oh my! God. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought he made that up. <laughs> As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk to me about anything. Uh, specifically, pirates. Let's talk about what? Huh? What'd you say? I said. Let's talk about our pilots. Go ahead. Pilots. Yeah, okay. pilots. Let's <laughs> talk about our shared love <laughs> of John Hamm playing Batman. A uh, quick amendment. Saskatchewan is the largest city. The capital is actually Regina. Oh, shit. Well, there you go, folks. I'm not Canadian Wolverine. Uh, I don't know the prairies up in, there. In news that no one cares about. It's time for Phil's Funky Fact of the Week. <laughs> we had every single segment in this episode. <laughs> and with that, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take See care, you next week. Oh, seems like you lads are having a lot of fun. Do you have time to play around with apples and oranges with old Grant Morrison? <laughs> <laughs>